We believe to ride and run is freedom and empowerment. We believe riding and running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people were physically active, the world would be a better place. We believe in physical activity because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Ride and Run Podcast with your host, Dave Martinez. Yes, it's that time. It's time for the Big Peach Ride and Run Podcast. And thank you for joining. This is episode 120. I am your host, Dave Dolomite Martinez, but you can call me D2. All my friends do, and I feel like you are one of my friends. So, you know, this episode, we're going to talk about SMART goals as far as that relates to fitness. Many of you have probably heard of it, and we'll go into what that all means and how we can apply it to your fitness uh, and your goals for this year. Um, it is still January, so, you know, the idea of resolutions and improving ourselves and making ourselves uh, better, stronger, fitter is still a main theme around this time of year. And, you know, I think it's not something that's reserved just for the beginning of the year or something that, you know, can, you know, obviously we want to revisit it throughout the year. Um, uh, maybe we'll do that through the podcast, but definitely for us personally, uh, for sure, because that's where we miss these goals is because we don't tend to um, revisit them, focus on them. Um, we seem to do it at the beginning of the year and then forget about them. And then the year ends and we kind of go is like, well, what happened? So we'll get into all that. But, you know, it is uh, right now I'm recording this. It is Sunday, January 16th. This podcast releases the following day on the 17th. And, you know, we've got some some weather. Um, it's currently snowing outside my window. I can look out the window. Um, there's, you know, talk about accumulation on the road uh, as far as ice and uh, especially in the North uh, Georgia mountains. So if you're got some winter wonderland, uh, you know, enjoy it while you can. It's not that often that we do get it, but I am hunkered down in uh, my uh, my podcast studio. I finally have one, which is awesome. Um, upgraded the mic, upgraded you know to a standing desk, something I've always wanted. If you've listened to us from the very beginning, you've known that this podcast has moved around uh, quite a bit from you know a spare bedroom to uh, you know a little office to you know wherever we can find space, even sometimes being you know, on site uh, in environments that are probably not ideal for uh, audio uh, quality. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to say that I have that finally. Um, and this is just really, I just feel like we're finally, you know, feeling like a professional podcast, but I'll get more into that because there's some additional details. But um, the other thing is I was going to record this podcast earlier in the week, a few days ago, before I left for a half marathon that I had scheduled. Um, but because of the weather, it did get canceled. And I wanted to kind of keep things a little bit more current and up to date as we release this podcast. So I waited until Sunday. Um, but my um, half marathon uh, did get canceled. It's something that I was training for. I have done this race in the past. And if you're familiar with Jekyll Island, it is, you know, just south of Savannah. It is a completely flat course and ideal for uh, conditions if you wanted to go and set a PR. And that's what my goal has been, always has been when I go to Jekyll Island is to see if I can do a course PR. And the last time I raced was, you know, 2020, right before the pandemic, you know, shut everything down in March. And I had a, had a decent race, but I didn't feel like I did everything like I should have. I missed, uh, you know, a gel where I should have taken it and it affected the last, you know, you know, 5k. So I didn't get the PR I wanted. So this was a little bit of redemption. Um, so I wanted to go ahead and do that. And so, yes, I'm, you know, obviously a little disappointed by that. I'll, you know, definitely, you know, 
defer my entry to next year and see if I can go back out there and do it again. But, you know, while being disappointed, you know, it's always kind of looking at, you know, the, the plus, you know, I had that fitness and what could I do with it? So, um, I am looking at the, the Atlanta Publics half marathon. So that will be my next uh, goal. So that does give me some more time to get in better shape, get more mileage in. And even though, you know, it was a flat course that I was going for, I've been training on hills primarily. So I don't feel like I'm going to, um, you know, that my training at this point won't prepare me for the that half marathon here at uh, February 27th. But the great thing about it was that instead of you know, not doing anything. And I was able to take that fitness and I went out for something I have been doing now for the last couple of months since November, although it has been rescheduled, uh, canceled because of weather again, is the Atlanta Winter Bike League. And it's something that I've started um, participating. It's been around now for, I think, like nine years. And it's the first year I've actually have made a conscious choice to attend as much as possible. And this is... Um, Held by uh, uh, you know someone that I that I you know knew uh, probably met probably about ten years ago and he was my uh, old uh, bike coach when I was with the Atlanta Triathlon Club and it's Robert Wilhite he does this for free it is a um, it's a organized group ride where he breaks it down um, by ability um, and you're riding by time not based on speed although speed and and kind of what your ability is does kind of uh, put you in various different groups uh, so that you're, you know, not being dropped. And it is a no-drop ride. It's completely free to attend, and it's designed to kind of get you, um, you know, uh, comfortable riding uh, in a group, um, something that I wasn't comfortable really doing as far as double pace line and even, you know, um, leading a group and pulling a group and drafting and, and doing these type of things. So it's something I'm feeling much more comfortable. It's making me a better cyclist. Um, it's also making me better, um, you know, as I think as far as my fitness, because I'm doing it earlier in the year as typically I usually don't start riding till March or April when things kind of warm up. So riding in, you know, 40 degree weather was something that, you know, I had to invest in, you know, uh, you know, specific cycling clothing to make me comfortable. And so that's something I was able to do yesterday. And it was, uh, you know, great ride. Um, you know, it was overcast. It was a little bit windy, but, you know, uh, great, uh, you know, group of people out there. And Robert does a fantastic job. As a matter of fact, I've already uh, mentioned to Robert, I would love to have him here on the podcast to talk a little bit more of what he's done. He's, he's such an interesting guy and just what he does for the bike community. Um, he knows everything about cycling in Atlanta. So if you're interested in cycling, which I, you know, I'll get a little bit into some of the benefits of it here in a little bit in an article I came across and why you might want to consider, um, you know, jumping on a bike. Um, but like I said, um, I do have a new podcast studio here and, um, you know, and that's really exciting for me, but I also was, you know, when we do these podcasts, it's always, you can look at some of the metrics and, and see kind of the downloads and all that, but you never really know who's listening. And, you know, I recently got a, got tagged on uh, Instagram. So I'm going to give out a shout out to Tiffany Britton. She is a former colleague. She now lives up in Tennessee. Um, but she listens to the podcast. She listened to the last episode and tagged me and, and thanked me for, for, you know, basically being along uh, on her long run, which is awesome. So if for any of you out there, if you're listening, you know, you know, feel free to, you know, tag me, you know, Big Peach uh, on Facebook, on Instagram, even email us. And you can always, you know, contact us, uh, on, you know, via email through our podcast at Big Peach Running 
www.co.co.com. Um, and, you know, just give us feedback, suggest topics or submit questions. We're always happy to kind of, you know, this is for you guys that are out there and they're listening. And so we want to make sure that this is valuable to you and you're getting the information that you need. And there's something that you're not getting, please reach out to us. Um, this is catering strictly to, to you guys, because we want to make sure that we're inclusive, but also helpful and supportive of your fitness goals. And uh, so yeah, you know, definitely let us know. And if you do tag us, if you do email us, if you do, you know, I'll be more than happy to sh- give you a shout out on the podcast and thank you personally here, uh, just like I did Tiffany. So thank you, Tiffany. Uh, keep listening and keep, uh, for everyone else, just keep listening, submit your questions and let me know what what we can do to help you. Um, so talking about the podcast and this new studio, We've got some good news here, or some interesting news, is that, you know, we're going to start doing a live stream video podcast starting on January 26th at 6 p.m. It's going to happen once a month. It'll be the last Wednesday of every month on Facebook. So Mike will be joining us for those. So at least once a month, you will actually have Mike leading the podcast, um, and I'll be, uh, once again, you know, joining him as well as co-host, but, uh, you know, that'll be streaming through, like, like I said, once again, um, the first one will be on January 6th at 6 p.m. on Facebook Live, so keep an eye out for that. We will then take that podcast, of course, we'll, you know, have it on the audio version of our platform, um, you know, the following week. So keep an eye out for that. We'll have more details on that and we'll promote future guests. And of course, as it's, as it's live, it gives you the opportunity then to kind of tune in and ask questions as the podcast is, is, is streaming. So please join in, submit your questions, um, and, uh, be a part of the audience. And, you know, we're going to be testing some new software as well. So we may actually do some call in or some, you know, actual virtual audience through this new platform that we're doing. So we'll have all that. And of course, we'll post the podcast, the video podcast on YouTube as well if you miss it and uh, want to kind of join in. So um, that's what we have um, as far as kind of the, 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 the information that you need to know. But there's some interesting news as well. And I'm kind of glad we, you know, I waited until Sunday because there's some interesting news that just kind of came through this morning is that at the Houston Marathon, Sarah Hall set a new American record at the half marathon at, uh, you know, 67 minutes, 15 seconds. Now, interesting enough, in 2007, her husband, Ryan Hall, set the men's American half marathon record at 59 minutes, 43 seconds. So for the first time, we have a men and women uh, that currently hold American records at the half marathon and they're both husband and wife. So very cool. Congratulations to uh, to Sarah and uh, Ryan for still maintaining that record. Um, that's awesome. Um, the other thing that happened last week, um, and you may remember her from episode 71 on a, of our podcast, we had Brittany Charbonneau, um, the funny runner, uh, leading up to the Olympic trials, uh, um, the marathon trials here in Atlanta back in 2020. And so she's been, you know, continuing to run and uh, do some things. I, I think she completed her first ultra marathon uh, last year. And uh, I think there's a documentary about uh, her journey through that as well. So uh, definitely we should probably reach out to her and have her back on. 
But um, last week, she did the, the Disney uh, Dopey Challenge at the Walt Disney World Marathon Weekend, and she won all four events. So on Thursday, she ran the 5K at 17 minutes, 36 seconds. Friday, she ran a 10K at 36 minutes, 33 seconds. Saturday, she ran half marathon at one hour, 19 minutes, 18 seconds. And Sunday, she uh, ran a two hour, 45 minute, uh, 15 second marathon. So all four events, the first to ever do that. Um, and so congratulations to, to Brittany. I think we've got um, a lot more to, to see uh, Brittany accomplish. I think she's only just getting started. I think we're going to see her name uh, mentioned more and more. I think people are starting to notice her and kind of what she's doing. And I love her approach to just changing things up when she you know, started doing trail running and did uh, ultra last year. So just kind of goes to show you that trail running does have some benefits that can transfer to the road. I actually think that it actually makes you a stronger runner for a variety of reasons. And uh, I may have brought that up on the podcast about getting started into trail running. If not, we can certainly bring that up at a later point. Um, other news that I found interesting is that, you know, for the most part we see, um, in running shoes, Nike is sort of kind of like the behemoth, the big, you know, the big brand everyone's talking about, especially when it comes to marathon type of, uh, super shoes. But in a recent article, um, on slowtwitch.com, and by the way, I'll have all these links posted through our show notes. So, uh, don't worry if you don't get it, just go to our website at uh, bigpeachrunningco.com and then go under the resources menu and then go into the podcast menu and you'll see all of our show notes there listed for each and every episode. But Saucony, um, you know, through Slow Twitch, um, their, um, their subscribers were all surveyed and they all seem to start moving away from Nike um, and going towards Saucony shoes. And it was specific, the Saucony Speed, um, it is, uh, the more preferred of the, of the endorphin series. Um, it is kind of like in the middle. It's not the, the endorphin pro, um, at, you know, currently at $200. It, it will go up, uh, this year, I think in the next release, I think it'll be 220, 225. But, um, the endorphin speed that's priced at $160 is the preferred shoe for racing versus the, Vaporfly and Alphafly, um, I believe, if I remember the article correctly. So Nike is actually losing ground in that particular category of shoes to Saucony. And I think, uh, you know, Saucony's done some great things. They did it um, with the event uh, that we had at the U.S. Uh, Olympic Marathon Trials, um, the release of the endorphin, endorphin uh, series there, with the starting with the Endorphin Shift as their entry level shoe, the Endorphin Speed, and then the Endorphin Pro. And I think we're going to see some some big things from them here uh, in 2022. I know that the Endorphin Pro um, Three now is going to the maximum allowed, legally allowed stack height, so it will be on the same level as the Alpha Fly. And it is has it will have dropped, I think, an ounce, if I remember correctly. Um, so it'll provide more cushioning, lighter weight, and so I think it'll be more um, able to compete. And there's a, a slew of other shoes from Saucony that will be coming as well. So really excited to see what they've got in store for 2022. So I think as a brand, that's one to definitely keep an eye out. So it's interesting that the folks at Slow Twitch are kind of already seeing that trend. And Slow Twitch, for those of you that are not 
familiar is primarily dedicated to triathletes and it's that slow twitch muscle fibers, which is, which is kind of the focus in, in endurance training, you know, fast twitch is more for those uh, sprint and quick type of uh, muscle engagement and slow twitch is those muscles and those fibers that, um, are slower to respond that are, are, are used primarily at endurance races. So they tend to kind of predict what's coming because they're the early adopters. So we should start seeing that here in the mainstream and you're and seeing a lot more people. So it's a great, you know, way to kind of keep an eye on what's coming. Um, the other news, and now we get into the bike side of things, um, because, you know, right now, especially as I started looking into bikes and, and, and riding stuff, my Facebook feed is now inundated with so many posts about, uh, you know, bikes and especially in the cycling world, as far as the professional teams right now, since it's the beginning of the year, a lot of the pro teams are kind of announcing their rosters and their roster changes. So if you're really into that, this is a time where you can really kind of get excited about who's going where, who's, you know, being, being transferred, who's being dropped, um, who's racing what. And, um, you know, and not only that, but the women's coverage is also getting a bit of, uh, of it as well. There, we're starting to see more articles about women in cycling. Um, even there was some controversy about the, their kits, you know, the design of the kits and the uh, approval that the UCI has to, you know, approve every kit. And some kits were very similar to what the UCI had. And so it was very interesting to kind of read, but you know, one of the things that kind of, I, I always love new technology. I always kind of get geeked out by that. But there's a company and that uh, just announced um, airless bike tires, and they're calling it a smart tire. And it is uh, kind of cool because the technology has been around, I think, since the early 60s or late 50s, I think. But it was kind of developed for NASA to um, use on their, on their uh, space probes. Um, and what it is, is a, it's called a martensite elasticized tubular loading. And it is, um, using a super elastic metal that is a combination of titanium and nickel. And it allows it to kind of retain its shape. And these are these wires that are kind of woven to create this bike tire that actually, will not get a flat. There's no air in it, so it's completely airless. And so it's kind of interesting technology. I do expect, and there's no price or anything quoted, but it does, you know, I think that's the biggest concern with people is that what if I get a flat? I don't know how to change a flat. Um, And so I think, you know, this is kind of new technology that would appeal to many people. Um, I, I don't see it going into the performance type of category. The folks at Tour de France or super or triathletes that are really kind of, you know, looking at every advantage. I don't think they're, it's going to appeal to them. The article actually says it'll probably appeal more to commuter bikes and specifically the bike rental communities, the ride share type of uh, bikes, the bike shares, because that's an expense that they, they don't have to then um, worry about is replacing um, those tires that often. Now, you would have to replace them eventually, and there's some stuff that goes into it. But I do find that interesting in the in the development of what's coming down the road for bikes and kind of, you know, what will make things easier for those of us that are kind of looking at, at bikes and, and not having to deal with a maintenance or worrying about, you know, changing a tire, you know, on the side of the road. And the last article I have here is one that I found really interesting and a reason where, where I think, you know, maybe more people should get into cycling. 
like I said, we are the Big Page Ride and Run podcast. And of course, we want to promote that active lifestyle, and that does include, um, you know, cycling. But there was a study uh, at, um, by scientists at the University of Glasgow where they wanted to investigate the link between methods of commuting and incidence of cardiovascular disease, cancer, and other causes of, of mortality. Now, they studied over 260,000 participants with an average age of about 52, and about 52% of those were women. Um, now, the, what they looked at as far as commuting was, you know, different categories. Walking, cycling, and non-active, or non-active uh, could be car or public transportation. So basically, you're just, you're not really commuting for exercise, whether it's walking or cycling. So by the end of the study, you know, over 2,400 participants had died. And the breakdown showed that cyclists were the least likely to have deceased. So as a cycling community, uh, it was associated with a lower risk of cardiovascular disease, cancer, or all causes of mortality. Now, walking had the lowest risk of cardiovascular disease. So for us, I mean, that's kind of our sweet spot right now between cycling and walking or pedestrian active lifestyle. So um, I think that's great news to know that the sports that we participate can actually increase our lifespan, make us healthier. I mean, I, I think this is not really surprising news, but it does confirm things that we've always kind of thought, and we should feel good about it. We should feel good of the sports that we partake, that it's actually making us healthier, and that we actually may live longer um, and not and be less susceptible to these type of medical issues, you know, cardiovascular disease and cancer and things like that. So, you know, keep at it, stay with it, you know, stay healthy, um, walk, ride, run. Um, we're all here for it. Um, so wanted to share those news um, with you to kind of keep you inspired and maybe kind of let you know of other things if you're not considering getting into cycling, why you should get into cycling. And just, um, you know, like I said, for me, I'm a runner and a cyclist, and sometimes I identified with one more than the other. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a participant in all those active lifestyles. Um, so, so that's what we got for you. So... Uh, the next block, the next segment, we'll uh, talk and get into SMART goals and how to achieve them, how to set up for success. Um, and so stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief message. Big Peach now sells bikes at our Brookhaven location, Big Peach Ride and Run. We help get you into the right bike that fits you and your needs. Many of us enjoy being on two wheels as much as our own two feet. It's not only a great way to stay active and fit, it's also a great way to recover from long runs and also have fun. We carry kids, commuter, mountain, gravel, road bikes, and more, no matter what you prefer. With brands like Giant, Live, a division of Giant that makes bikes exclusively for women, and Momentum, we've got whatever bike you're looking for. Stop by and check out our selection at Big Peach Ride and Run located inside town Brookhaven or check out our inventory at BigPeachRideAndRun.com. And welcome back to the Big Peach Ride and Run podcast. And once again, I'm your host, Dave Dolomite Martinez. And uh, just as a reminder, all the uh, articles and, and uh, news stories I mentioned, those are available through our show notes, uh, available on our website, bigpeachrunningco.com, under resources, and then just go down to the podcast menu, and you'll see all of our episodes and all of our show notes there as well. So if you want to read up a little bit more on the articles I mentioned and learn a little bit more, 
that's where you want to go. So we're going to talk about SMART goals. And, you know, at the beginning of the year, um, it's, you know, it's one of those things where everyone tends to make New Year's resolutions. It's what we've always known. It's what we heard. I can't, I mean, from the, you know, as far back as I can remember, it's always New Year's resolutions. And I never really liked that term. And I, you know, ended up looking up, you know, the definition. Uh, so according to dictionary.com, the definition of, of, of resolution is a resolve, a decision, or determination to make a firm resolution to do something. Now, that's basically what a resolution is. I mean, we know that. We've all said it. We've said, this is what I'm going to do this year. I am going to run my first 5K, my first half marathon, or I'm going to drop X amount of pounds, or I'm going to do my first whatever it is, right? But the problem with the resolution is that it never sets a process of how to accomplish that goal. So looking up and according to Wikipedia, goal setting involves the development of an action plan designed to motivate and guide a person or group toward a goal. And that's why I prefer using the term goal setting because it means that there is structure to that. It's not just a statement. There is an action plan behind it and a, a way of kind of motivating. And that's why goal setting, although can be used synonymously and maybe something erroneously with a resolution, goal setting typically does require some thought in an action plan and a way to kind of make sure that that goal is achieved. So the first time I ever heard about SMART goals was in the corporate world when I used to work in you know, more of a corporate type of environment and that was part of our annual process and you looked at your SMART goals at the end of the year for your you know, yearly evaluation. But most of those goals um, were all designed, you know, specifically around, you know, whatever your company, you know, wanted you to accomplish. You know, maybe, you know, depending on your business, maybe it's more sales, maybe it's more, you know, you know contacts, maybe it's more whatever it is, more widgets produced. You know, that's typically what, you know, is, is used as a SMART goal. And then you devise a plan of how you're going to reach those goals. But those can be applied for your own personal growth as well. So what does SMART goal mean? What's well, an acronym? And it's, you know, means specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. That's where the S-M-A-R-T come in. And that's how you achieve a goal. So the specific part, the S part, means that you're going to target a specific area for improvement. Okay. It doesn't matter what it is. It could, like I said, it could be a raise, could be something more personal in your life. It could be a variety of different things. And it doesn't mean that it's just one goal. You can use this type of application for any and you know any goal you want to achieve. So the M part is once again measurable. Uh, it's to quantify or at least suggest an indicator of progress. And that's where you get that accountability. So how are you going to measure your level of success? How are you going to measure that you're reaching your goal, whatever that is? And then achievable um, or assignable, because that can be used uh, you know, interchangeably as well, is to specify who will do it. In this case, it's you. That's very specific, right? Um, but the achievable part is also um, you know, make sure that's something you actually can do. Um, and that brings us into the realistic part. State what result you can realistically be achieved. So, you know, 
you, you don't want to do a, you know, as, as uh, you know, was, has been referred to in the past as a moonshot, you know, that it is um, something that's so far out there that it's going to be, uh, you know, difficult to almost impossible to do. You know, um, you want something that is based on a variety of things, feels like it's something that is really something you can accomplish. You know, if you're just starting out running to say that you're going to win or qualify for the Olympics, it's probably not a realistic goal. It's probably more of, hey, I'm starting running. I want to run my first, you know, 5K and then eventually run, you know, my first half marathon. Those are more realistic. And then the T in SMART ends up being time-related. In other words, specify when the results can be achieved or when you want to achieve them. So if it's something that you're doing by the end of the year, then specify that. Specify by this date. And it doesn't have to be at the end of the year necessarily. It could be at any time during the year. And sometimes setting different time-related goals throughout the year helps with that accountability. You know, maybe it's checking in every month, you know, or every uh, quarter, where am I at? Or at, you know, by the end of, you know, uh, March, I should be here. Am I there? You know, and continue to check on that process, um, you know, progress. So to get a little bit into, like I said, into more of that specific and, and how it applies to us as runners or even as cyclists or whatever your fitness goal may be. So, Specific could be, I want to run or walk my first 5K. You know, it could be, you know, at any distance, it could be something more specific of, I want to start, you know, strength training. I want to start, you know, um, um, you know, cycling. I want to do my first, you know, you know, 20 mile bike ride, whatever it is. And it doesn't have to actually necessarily be a race. These are goals that are specific to you and they don't have to be public. They don't have to mean anything to anyone else. They just have to mean something to you as an individual. And I'll get into a little bit more of that because I think sometimes we judge our success um, by other people and what they're doing. And that's not really helpful. So if you're going to do something like, say, I'm going to run my first 5K or my first marathon or half marathon or whatever the distance may be, my first, you know, 20 mile or, you know, 50 mile bike ride, is in order for that to be measurable, then you should register for that race, you know, for that event, you know. So if you're saying you want to run, walk your first 5K, then you should probably look at a 5K and say, well, which one am I going to do, you know. Um, The assignable part, uh, the achievable part is then saying, well, how am I going to do that? You know, are you going to try to do it all on your own? And if you are, there's plenty of resources online where you can Google, you know, something like a Couch to 5K program. You could hire a coach. You could pay for a training plan. Um, I mean, we've done and offer training plans through our website for free, um, and you can do them on your own. Um, like I said, but you know, you have to can't you can't make a statement that says, "Well, I'm going to run or walk my first 5K," and then not have a plan of how you're going to do it. It's not going to happen magically simply because you made that statement, you know. Um, and then, you know, you've got the realistic part of it. It's like, how much time do you have to train? You know, can you accomplish it, accomplish it in six weeks or six months? And that sort of should go a bit with that when you register for a 5K, and, and should, these all relate to one another, right? I mean, you can't go from not running 
at all to registering for a 5k in four weeks, you know, um, especially if it's running, it's not something that you're used to doing. It's going to be very difficult. It can be done, but you may hate it at the end and you may quit entirely and saying, well, that completely sucked. And trust me, I know I've done it. Um, so be realistic, you know, in the length of time that you're going to set that goal, but also be realistic of what you can actually do, you know, um, you know, you know, are you a stay-at-home mom or are you someone that works, you know, um, you know, or a stay-at-home dad for that matter? It doesn't matter, the gender. But, or are you someone that's working, you know, 40 to 60 hours a week? You know, do you have other things that are part of your life? Are you volunteering in other areas of your life? Are there other things that are going on that could prevent you because you don't have the time to do it? You know, and is that realistic then to set a goal, you know? And I think the distance, as a distance increases, it becomes more difficult to allocate time to those goals. And so you have to be very deliberate at that, t- at that point. So not to say that if you've got a busy schedule, you shouldn't try to accomplish this. It just means that instead of saying, well, uh, you know, when I find time, then it becomes I have to make time. I have to set a schedule, and that may mean waking up an extra hour early in order to get that run in before you start your day. Or it might mean making sure that you, when you come home from work, that you set some time aside to actually get that run done or whatever that is that, that's part of that training program that's going to get you to that goal. And so the, the other thing is, like I said, the last part is the time related, where you should set a time to complete it, but also set a time to evaluate that progress. And like I said, you know, previously, you know, maybe it's something that depending on the program that's, you know, weekly or monthly, you know, if it's a 5k program, and it's a, you know, six week training program, then you should probably check in every single week at the end of every week or the start of every week, look at the calendar, look at your training schedule and saying, well, what did I do last week? You know, did I accomplish what the program set out? You know, am I writing it down? Am I logging it? You know, and where did I not meet those goals? You know, um, if it's something that's a little bit longer, you know, let's say it's a, a marathon and it's a 18 week training program, you know, maybe checking in every week is a little too, um, you know, too much in the details. And you should probably look at maybe every two weeks or maybe every month. Um, and it sort of kind of depends, but always check in and evaluate and be honest with yourself because, Remember, these are goals that you're doing for you and not for anyone else. These are not public. You don't have to publish them. You don't have to post them on, you know, your social media, on Instagram or Facebook. Some people do, and that's fine Um, because to a certain extent, that does provide some accountability. And some people love doing that, and it works very well for them, that they love setting a goal, posting it on social media, and knowing that people will be expecting them to, you know, reach that goal. You know, whether it's that first half marathon, it's like, I'm going to run my first half marathon on such and such date at this race. Awesome. Great. But then people will also be expecting and maybe even follow up. And that could provide that accountability. It's like, well, I said I was going to do it. You know, I guess I, I need to, you know, I guess I need to train for it now. Um, but that doesn't mean you have to do that. Okay. It works for some people. It's, this is, like I said, this is individual personal goals for yourself. They don't have to be, you know, published. But you should, 
you know, once again, check in with yourself on a regular basis and be honest with yourself. It says, well, did I do everything that the schedule said I was going to do, that I set out to do? Did I miss a couple of days? Did I, you know, did I skip too many days? Because you can skip a day here or there and it won't necessarily set your goals completely back or even say you didn't achieve that goal altogether. It just may mean that you may have to push a little harder. It might be a little bit more difficult because for the most part, most, let's talk about a training plan. If you do 75% of a training plan, you will cross that finish line, regardless of the distance, whether it's a 5k or a marathon, you will cross that distance. But the difference will be how you feel when you cross that finish line. If you do 90 to 100% of that training plan, you will probably not only achieve your goal, you will feel fantastic physically and mentally about crossing that finish line. If you do, you know, say 75% of that training plan, you will cross that finish line, but you may not finish with a smile on your face. You may smile afterwards based on the relief that it's done and it's over with, and you're like, okay, that was hard, but I crossed the finish line, and it's still something to be proud of. Once you start getting in the, you know, below that, and especially if you're done half the training program, it's like you'll get to that finish line, but chances are it's going to be a bit of a struggle. And once you start getting that to where you start feeling pain, it's more of a mental struggle as well because there's a mental aspect of any type of racing that a lot of people don't really focus on. They focus more on the, the actual physical training and not the mental training that you you kind of learn on your own because there isn't anyone unless you talk to someone with some experience in these type of distances that is comfortable enough sharing the part of, you know, the tough part of the mental aspect of you know, doing these type of events and, and kind of the lows and the highs that you can get. So once again, you know, going back and evaluating and being honest with what you've done. Because that will determine then what your goal is. Uh, you know, is it achievable? Is it, you know, can it be done? Now, at the same time, you know, these are goals, once again, I said, are just for you. They're your personal goals. They don't have to be, you know, publicized. But they are also moving targets. I mean, let's be honest. Things happen, you know. If, you know, the weather we're having today and it's, you know, ice on the roads and it's unsafe to run and it's going to shut down the city for a week and you can't go out and run, obviously that's going to affect your training plans, you know, and if you don't have access to a treadmill or something like that, then you may not be able to run at all. And so you may need to adjust a little bit. Um, There may be things that come up with work, you know, maybe you've got an out of town trip, maybe you've got a big project with a big deadline that doesn't allow you to you know, dedicate as much time, as much as you would like to, to dedicate to a training program to work on that goal, it, you know, things just happen. So it could be a moving target, you know. Um, as I mentioned at the start of this podcast, I had a race that I was going to do this weekend. It got canceled because of weather, something beyond my control. That's a perfect example. Now, does that mean that I failed at my goal? It just means that I didn't achieve it. It's a moving goal. I still want to PR. And maybe it's a year from now on that course where I can go back and try to PR. But maybe I could do it at Publix. 
it's a harder course. It's a tougher course. And maybe if I train a little bit more, because I did put in the time, I did work on a training program. I mean, imagine, you know, you know, going through a training program, and I've done this in the past, where I'll go through a 12-week or 18-week training program, and you're done with it, and you're, you know, at the race start line, or even at, or when you finish, and you're like, someone asks you, how do you go? I'm like, oh, man, I wish I had a couple extra more weeks to could, could throw in a couple more long runs in. So that's how I see it. It's like I now have that benefit of saying, okay, I've got, I've got my you know, 12 weeks in, but now I get an additional six weeks to train for that race on a different course, on a tougher course. You know, so it could be a moving target. So you know, part of it is kind of staying positive, trying to find the, you know, an area where you can kind of look at the positive of it, the, the silver lining in something. But at the same time, you know, don't be discouraged if things come up and you don't achieve those goals because, like I said, they are a moving target and they are personal to you. There's no one that's depending on you achieving that goal. There's no one that's saying, well, if you didn't finish this, you failed someone else. It's only your goal. So if for some reason something does come up, um, and like I said, it could be family. I mean, things happen. I mean, there's, you know, there's illness, there's death in the family, there's responsibilities, there's a lot of things that come up. So don't beat yourself up either. You know, it just may mean that you, it may take a little bit longer. You may have to delay that. But the goal can still, you can still work on those goals, even if that deadline that you set for yourself may be moved a little bit. So that's the part I want to make sure because it does happen quite a bit. And, you know, I mean, I want to share just, you know, something as well, because sometimes you reach that deadline. It's race day. You've done all the training. You know, maybe you struggle a little bit, whatever the case is. But you go into it, and it's not the goal that you set out. So in my example, you know, this is my personal example, is that I did my first marathon, and based on previous times that I've run half marathons, I thought I could run a marathon in under four hours. So I set that out as a goal, you know, kind of as a primary goal is to finish one. Secondary goal is to, you know, run it under four hours. And, you know, depending on the day and all that, sometimes, you know, that became the the primary goal is to finish it under four hours. And not having the experience, not knowing what your body kind of goes through, not knowing the course and how difficult it is, I did not get that. I ended up having, you know, IT band issues um, and ended up, you know, walking a good amount of the last, you know, 10K. Um, But I did finish. Now, I finished in four hours and 20 minutes. And so, you know, of course, I was disappointed. I wasn't happy, but more than anything, I was feeling a lot of pain. I could barely walk, and it took me quite a bit to recover. But I missed that goal. You know, Now, was it a complete failure? No, it wasn't. I still achieved that first marathon. I still got that medal. I still crossed. And a lot of times when we fail at a goal, it's an opportunity to learn. It's an opportunity to become better because there's a lot of things I didn't know about running a marathon. And, you know, maybe I was too full of myself and, and, and just, you know, let my ego kind of, you know, take over where I thought I could do better. And that's why when anyone ever signs up for a marathon for their first one, I always tend to give the advice, like, don't focus on time. Focus on the journey. Focus on the other things 
because they're going to be you know, much more important, and overall, you, you won't be disappointed. If you get that a, a great time, that's awesome. Some people go out and they just, you know, just have an awesome day. Nothing, everything goes perfect, and it doesn't happen that often. And that's, uh, that's just icing on the cake. But there's times where, you know, you may not finish as well as you did, you know, uh, or as well, as well as you hope for, you know, if you set a specific time like I did. But what it allowed me to do is say, okay, after a few months, uh, you know, after the memory of the pain that I had of finishing, you know, faded because it will fade. And some people sign up the next day. For me, it took several months before I signed up again, before I could convince myself that I was ready to go through that <laughs> and experience that discomfort again. Um, but I realized, you know, it's like, I got some work to do. I can't repeat the exact same program, the exact same way that I did and expect different results. So I had IT band pain and it gave me opportunity to learn a little bit more what that means, how it affects you, how to resolve it and even eliminate it. So that's what I ended up doing. I went on this quest of just learning as much as I could about IT band pain and how to um, fix it, how to eliminate it. And a lot of that came down to uh, strength training, strength training the lower legs, strength training the glutes. You know, and this is one of the things that now as a, you know, as a coach, when I coach these programs, I try to make sure that everyone, you know, knows the importance of strength training. And it doesn't mean you have to go to a gym and lift heavy weights. Simple body weight training is going to do a lot of it. Um, and you can really get the benefits from it. So I learned from that and I ended up, you know, going through the training program again, the exact same way, but with strength training included during that time period. And in doing so, I ended up finally going under four hours on that second marathon. And it has allowed me to learn and to improve. And that just makes me a more educated, smarter runner. Um, and it doesn't diminish, you know, that first attempt. You know, it's a great learning experience. And I think there's things that we see when we fail that it's a complete and utter failure. And it's not. It is an opportunity to learn, to get better, and to improve. Um, and that's sort of the message that I want to share with all of you is that as we go through and we set goals, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, important how you do it, but when, you know, that you actually achieve that goal at some point and it's the process, it's the, it's the journey and what you learn from it and, you know, reflecting on, you know, uh, on what you've kind of been through, what to change, what to improve, how to get better. And, you know, for those things I'm thankful for because I can now, you know, stand here, you know, behind this mic and share those insights, share that experience with all of you to, you know, coach others so that they don't have to experience, you know, the issues that I kind of went through. So for me, it's a great learning experience. And I see that that has allowed me to move into other goals. Um, and I think that's something that we should all try to do. And it's one of the things that I also feel is, you know, as we go through it, you know, as you go through your, your you know, you want to make sure things are realistic and achievable and, and all that. But at the same time, if you pick a goal and it just comes too easy, then maybe it wasn't really that hard of a goal. That, that there should be some 
additional work, that it should be, it shouldn't come easy. There should be, it should be a challenge um, that for us to grow in any part of whether it's physical, mental, personal, uh, professional, that something should be a little, should make you a little bit uncomfortable because if it doesn't, then you're not actually growing. You're not actually becoming better. If everything comes easy to you, then you're not getting better. It's, it's the exact same thing over and over again, and you're never going to really improve if you don't challenge yourself. So wanted to share that information as far as SMART goals and my own personal experience. I think you know each and every time I go out and, and, and race, it's a learning experience. It's allowed me to learn how to train better, how to eat better, um, how to feel better for my races. Um, you know, I learn more about myself, uh, you know, especially as, as I go into longer distances. Um, and, you know, and that's the, all those things that I've learned have allowed me to go up to, you know, even, you know, eventually I got into triathlon and Ironman and have done ultra marathons. And once again, putting myself outside of that comfort zone, making myself uncomfortable by challenging what I'm physically able to do, but also mentally. So I want to share that and let you guys know to think about those things as you're kind of putting goals together. If you've done so already, that's awesome. If you're still struggling, this is a great opportunity to kind of put some structure into what you want to do this year, how you want to achieve certain things in you know, in your life. And like I said, it could be related to your fitness. It could be related to your personal you know, uh, even personal relationships, professional, professional relationships, um, even things that you want to do around the house. I mean, these can all be applied by putting a plan together because without a plan, then you don't have a way to succeed to achieve those goals. So I'll leave you with that. Um, Once again, you know, I think this is a great opportunity, especially at the start of the year, to really focus on these type of things, but also check in with yourself throughout the year. Where am I at? You know, have I achieved what I set out to achieve? Did, did, is my plan working? If it's not working, make adjustments. You know, do I need additional resources? You know, do I need to hire a coach? Do I need to reach out for someone? You know, uh, do I need to reach out, you know, to, to someone to ask him a question because I'm struggling with this? And if that's the case, by all means, reach out to me. Like I said, uh, you know, podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com or peachy at bigpeachrunningco.com. I will answer your questions. I've done so already, you know, and continue to do so for many people that reach out uh, through training programs because that's what we're here to help. So um, just keep at it. And, uh, you know, that this will conclude our episode. I hope I've given you, um, you know, enough information that pro- provided some inspiration, some motivation to, you know, improve yourself, you know, in whatever that may be in, in your life. We're here for you. Reach out. Um, we're here to help and uh, remember may your best miles be those just ahead and we'll see you in two weeks on the podcast but on January 26th live stream on Facebook 6pm you'll be able to see Mike and myself there and we'll have plenty to talk about so stay tuned in the meantime stay safe watch out for black ice. Don't go out in the roads unless you absolutely have to um, because that weather is going to be nasty and we want to make sure everyone is safe and healthy and uh, we don't need anyone running and slipping on ice and uh, hurting themselves. So take care and we'll be back in two weeks.
Hey, y'all, if you enjoy our podcast, let us know. If you have topic suggestions, questions, or guests you'd like to hear on the Big Peach Ride and Run podcast, email us at podcast at bigpeachrunningcoat.com. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube.